0: Good morning, U-Church. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Happy yes. Sabbath. Are you happy to be here today? Yes. Amen. What a blessing to come and worship with you today. Uh, it's been, I've, well, I was going to say it's been a while, but I've never preached here. So some of you might be saying, what's the Lansing pastor doing over here preaching at U-Church? But uh, just a couple months ago, I transitioned into the. Conference office is Personal Ministries and Evangelism Director, taking a place of Jim Howard, who went to the conference office. And uh, this is, you want me to use this one? This one's not working. Let me see, maybe it's on. It doesn't have a mute button, does it? All right. well Now it's working? There it goes. All right. And, uh, I have such a loud mouth that I didn't realize it wasn't on. Um, so it's been a blessing, and um, we have uh, just tried to settle in and get used to the new call. And we actually had another call at the same time, and the Lord helped us work through that, my wife and I. And it's been a blessing to do that, and I'm thankful to serve the churches of Michigan on a little bit different, uh, on a little bit different um, way. And so, uh, I'm just thankful to be of service to you guys as well. And so, I appreciate your prayers. I covered your prayers. And coming up, actually, March 2 through 4, up at Camp Asaba, we have our Personal Ministries Weekend. And we have a theme for this year within the context of Grow Michigan. I'm familiar with Grow Michigan. And we do not want Grow Michigan to go away. You know, a lot of times we develop a new idea or a new concept, and we throw it out there for a while, and people are all excited about it, and then after a while, the, the, the initial enamor kind of falls away, and then we kind of say, well, we're ready for the next thing, right? That flash in the pan. Well, Grow Michigan is not going away, amen? And it's going to be here to stay. We, we'll put different themes to it every year, but this year's theme is Sow and Grow 2018, and so up at the Personal Ministries Weekend, we're going to be talking about how to do sowing the seed and preparing the soil in our communities and in our churches. Amen? And so we want to uh, develop that in preparation for the harvest. So I want to encourage you uh, to come up for that weekend up at Campus March 2 through 4, and uh, you'll have information about that very, very soon. You can go to the website as well. Now, my wife isn't here. She had to be, they have Adventurous Sabbath, and our kids are there in that. Uh, But you may have noticed, so I just want to put a disclaimer out there. Uh, I had a little minor surgery this week, so my eye might look swollen or even black to you. Um, My wife didn't beat me this week. When she disciplines me, she makes sure she doesn't leave a mark. So um, just so you know that ahead of time. Uh, I might be winking at you. Well, I understand that you guys have been doing a series on stewardship. Is that right? And last week, I think you heard a message about stewardship of finances. And I just want to say one thing about that, just in case it wasn't said. You know, the Bible says, will a man rob who? God. And God says, or, or the, the response is, um, in what way have we robbed you? And God says in tithes and offerings, some of you are familiar with that text, Malachi chapter 3, we know that text, but do you realize that the, we often as Seventh-day Adventists do a wonderful job in emphasizing not robbing God through tithe, right? Some of you are familiar with that, we're all familiar with that, and it's very important, it's not a church rule or a church policy, but it's a command of the Lord, Amen. And, but do you realize that if we return a faithful tithe of everything, every increase we ever have in our lives, and we are not faithful and consistently returning a regular systematic offering, that though we've paid tithe on everything we own, we still rob God. Did you know that? Because God says, well, a man robbed God, and what way have we robbed you in tithe and offering? So the the offering to God is just as holy, just as sacred, just as important as the tithe, amen? That's all I wanna say, now we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk a little bit about time this morning, and I wanna just have prayer as we begin, and then we'll dive into our message for today. Father in heaven, Lord, as we come together, we're in a new year, we're in 2018, we're about to end already, the first month of that new year. And Lord, when we think about time, Lord, there's so many aspects to time, so many things that pull our time uh, in this day and age. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us all balance, that we would consider that the most important thing we can do with our time is to build your kingdom by your grace and strength. And so today, fathers, we look at a a few thoughts. I just pray, Lord, that your spirit will be here with us this morning, that you would invigorate our hearts, that you would draw us close to you, and that you would open our eyes to something maybe we have not considered before, something you want to reveal to us through your word. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let God's people say amen. amen. I remember a story about a lady who had a number of children. She did not have a husband. She was a poor widow. Uh, she was living off of whatever means she could get to feed her children day by day and week by week. And But this woman was faithful in returning her tithe and offering. And in any capacity, whatever little she would receive, she would set aside faithfully that which she knew belonged to God. And there came a time in her experience where The food was running short, the means to obtain food was running short and all she had left of all the money that she had was that tie that she was going to return that Sabbath. And her children were crying out to her mother, we are hungry, we don't have any food left. She used the last bit of flour, the last bit of beans, the last bit of oil and her cupboards were empty, her refrigerator was empty. And the children were crying out, Mother, please, what are we going to eat? And she thought about that, and she looked at that jar where that tithe money was that she knew belonged to him, and she she said, I have to be faithful. And the children said, well, wouldn't God understand that that's all that we have, and he wants us to not go hungry, wouldn't God understand if we just took that money and bought some food and then we could replace it when we get some more money later down the road? The woman thought about that, and can you imagine, friends, having your children crying out to you that, Mother, Father, we are hungry, what are we going to do? Can't we just, just this one time, wouldn't God understand how many of you have been maybe not that particular situation but a similar situation in your life where you said you know I might just be tempted to compromise this one time surely God would understand the difficulty and the nature of my situation and he would wink at that and it wouldn't be that big of a deal how many of you have been in that kind of a situation where you've been tempted with that kind of a thing Even though the the cry of her children were wrenching her heart, still she trusted more in the promise of God than in the reality of her current situation. And she said, no, children, we're going to be faithful to God. We're going to return what is his. And in no way are we going to deviate to the right or to the left. So she took her children out that day. And she took them from store to store, hoping that maybe there'd be a store owner who would give her some outdated food or or food that had been left over from the day before or whatever. And as she went from store to store, she came out empty handed. And the children would cry and they would say, Mother, we're so hungry. We haven't eaten in two days. What are we going to do? She said, we're going to be faithful to God. That's what we're going to do. And so as they made their way back to their home, they had went to the last store, and also came out empty-handed, they thought to themselves, "Is God forsaken us? Has he abandoned us? Is he, is he truly going to fulfill his promise to meet our needs? And she remembered that tithe jar, and she said, God, that's yours. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to believe. Though her children were crying all around her, what are we going to do? She sat down on the chair just on her front porch, And she lifted her feet to rub her sore, tired feet after walking all day. And as she raised up her foot, stuck to the bottom of the shoe was a $100 bill. Now, this is is a true story. And all she could do was say, praise Jesus. Because God is faithful when we trust him. And allow that trust to translate into faithfulness. You see, friends, you can't be faithful to God if you don't trust him. You can't trust him if you don't love him. And you can't love him if you don't know him. Amen? You've talked about the stewardship of finances, but what about the stewardship of time? Because, you see, money and possessions are tangible, It's easy if I get that $100 bill to say $10 belongs to the Lord for tithe and whatever percentage I put along with that for an offering. It's very easy to do that. But time is often not tangible, although the results of time are tangible. Yes or no? What I do with my time becomes tangible in my life and in my real world. Yes? Now I have some quotes for you that I want to read that I found on time. And bear with me, because these are not Christian quotes, but I want to make a point with that, okay? Andy Warhol says this, they always say that time changes, but you actually have to change them, I'm sorry, they say that time always changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself. In other words, if time passes, and I do nothing to make a choice and a decision in my life, To impact my life, then is anything going to change? It's not going to change. A man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. Do you know who made that statement? Charles Darwin, who understood the value of time in more ways than one, right? Those who make the worst use of their time are the first to complain of its shortness. Ever thought about that? Time doesn't heal emotional pain, but you need to learn, rather, you need to learn how to let it go. Roy Bennett. Benjamin Franklin said, You may delay, but time will not. Bill Watterson said, There's never enough time to do all the nothing that you want. <laughs> William Penn said, Time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. C.S. Lewis said, the future is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes per hour, whatever he does and whoever he is. In other words, we all have the same amount of time. It's all about how you do what? Make use of it. There is no, if, for, for us to make the excuse, I don't have enough time or I, 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 there's not enough time to do everything that I need to do or want to do is to say that God made a mistake. God didn't give us enough time. Maybe God should have given us 27 hours in the day. Or maybe he should have given us eight or nine weeks or days in a week, right? Here's another one. Muhammad Ad Gandhi says, There is more to life than simply increasing its speed. You ever thought about that? One more quote, and you'll say, I don't make it a habit of quoting... Um, this person but I've never done it before and I may never do it again but I found the quote very interesting from Dr Seuss <laughs> He says this How did it get so late so soon It's night before it's afternoon December is here before it's June My goodness how the time has flown How did it get so late so soon Now let me just propose to you a question this morning If these people, many of them, not Christian people, understand the importance and the value of a moment's time or an hour of time, how much more ought God's people to also value time? What do you think this morning? How much more ought the remnant church of Bible prophecy, God's people, in the last days, value and understand the importance of a passing moment being used for the glory of God or used for the gratification of self. What do you think this morning? As Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists, we understand time, don't we? We know all about the time prophecies. We know all about history. We know all about these things. And yet it seems like though we are familiar with time and prophecy and all these things as well we should be, Yet we often miss the, the opportunities of the moment. We miss a passing moment in time. We are not using the time that we have today in always the very best ways possible. What do you say this morning? i want to go with you. Uh, well, before I do that, I want to make, I want to make a point here. It's, I have written here, a moment of time has the power to change the whole course of history. What do you think? How about Adam and Eve? Did a moment in time change the whole course of human history, yes or no? It did. How about the moment that the angel cried out to Abraham to stay his hand when he had the knife raised above Isaac? What do you think? Had that angel been one second too late, what would have happened? The whole course of history would have changed, yes? How about the moment that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies? Do you suppose this morning that that moment of decision in Daniel's life made a difference, yes or no? It made all the difference in the world. Because if he had not made that decision in that moment of time, then when the moment of, time came, moment of trial and testing came before the king, Daniel would have failed and he would have lost his life with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel too never would have happened. might have happened through another person, but it wouldn't have happened through Daniel. Are you with me? That moment that Nehemiah prayed to God when the king asked him why he was frowning, Do you remember when the king says, why do you frown? You never frowned, and you weren't supposed to frown in front of the king, right? And he says, why are you frowning? And, 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 And Nehemiah says in the chapter, he says, I prayed to the God of heaven, and God gave him just the right words to speak in the moment. How about the signing of the Declaration of Independence? A moment's time changed the course of history. How about the death of Abraham Lincoln in modern times? The bombing of Pearl Harbor? The death of John F. Kennedy? All of these things, in a moment's time, the course of human history changes. How about the moment that Jesus took his last breath upon the cross? Did that moment of time make a difference? What do you think? The precious value and importance of a moment... Go with me to the uh, book of Luke, chapter 4. I tried to say book and Luke at the same time. The book of Luke, chapter 4, and I want you to see something very powerful. Luke, chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 5. Jesus, in the previous verses, had uh, suffered 40 days in the wilderness fasting, yes? And he came out of that... And then as soon as he came out, the devil came in with those three temptations, right? Can you imagine the three greatest temptations of, of eternity, of all humanity, and the course of history, and they took place right after Jesus had fasted for 40 days in the wilderness? Mind-blowing, yes? But Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, the first temptation being to turn the bread in, or the stones into bread, right? Second temptation in verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a what? In a moment of time. In a strict one moment of time, Jesus saw the passing of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. I want you to think about this for just a minute. And the three temptations of Jesus, every temptation that you and I could ever think or imagine or experience in real life was experienced by him in those three temptations. Are you with me? Now, you may say, well, Jesus was never tempted to smoke a cigarette. Well, not, not exactly that, but the temptation that he experienced through the, through the, the, the fasting and, and the temptation to turn the stones into bread was infinitely greater than the temptation to smoke a cigarette. So in that case, yes, Jesus did suffer the temptation to smoke a cigarette. Are you with me? But I want you to, I want you to understand this. Every time you're tempted to do something that you know is contrary to what God God's ideal for your life. Every time you have that temptation, it's one temptation in one moment of time. Does that make sense? Okay? But Jesus in a moment experienced every temptation that every person would experience in a moment. Right? The glories of the, of the whole world were brought to him in a moment. And Satan said, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give it to you. Now let me tell you, the temptation of Jesus was not in that time to really receive the glories of the kingdoms of the earth. Because when Jesus looked at those, how much did they pale in comparison to the glories of heaven? Amen? So that was not really the temptation of Jesus. The temptation of Jesus when he was presented with all the kingdoms of the world, was your salvation. He looked at you. He saw your face in that moment. And he was tempted to take the easy way out to try to win you back. Satan said, you see all the kingdoms of the earth? You see all these people that you want to save? I'll give them to you. You don't have to go to the cross and suffer. I'll just give them to you if you'll fall down and worship me and acknowledge me as the rightful ruler of this world. Jesus was tempted with the easy way out. In a moment of time, and what was the response of Jesus? It is written. It is written. Now I want you to think about this for just a minute. In that moment of time, When Jesus was tempted with all of the world, aren't you glad this morning that Jesus, though he may have been faithful all of his life before that moment and all of his life after that moment, aren't you thankful today that in that moment, Jesus did not choose to live for himself in that moment? What would have been the course of human history? What would have been the course of your eternal destiny had Jesus chosen for that moment to live for himself? You and I would have never had a chance. Aren't you thankful today that despite being fasting for 40 days, despite having Satan himself breathing down his neck, despite the... the the way that we would treat him in response, Jesus chose to live for something greater than himself in that very moment. Aren't you thankful for that today? How does that speak for you and I this morning? If Jesus was willing to, in every moment of his life, live for the glory of God, and the salvation of fallen humanity if he was willing to do that and the return that he would get from most of us is hatred and backstabbing when we look at then he was willing to do it anyway because he saw it as worth it then when we look at the life of Christ today and we see how beautiful it was that he demonstrated selfless love every moment of his life. You see, and let me put it to you this way. When Jesus thinks about living unselfishly and self-sacrificingly and dying the death of the cross for you and me, when he looks at our lives, there's nothing to really motivate him to do that in regards in the sense that, that what we have to offer him. Are you with me? But when we look at his selfless life, and that he lived every moment for the glory of God, and he was willing to pay the price for our sins, there's a motivation on our end to do the same because of the great love that he has for us. Are you with me? Does that make sense? But because of his love, his great love is great enough to swallow up our unfaithfulness. Are you thankful for that this morning? That Jesus isn't motivated by what we can do for him. He's motivated because of his great love and his great goodness because that's who he is. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So when he looks at our life, there's not much to motivate him except his own goodness. But when we look at his life and we see the great sacrifice that he has made, it should move our hearts It should transform our lives to say, Lord Jesus, I don't want to waste another minute. I don't want to waste another moment living selfishly for myself. But I want to live for you and for the glory of your kingdom. And I want to live for the salvation of my fellow mankind, humankind. Amen. What do you think this morning? Time is already wasting, (laughs) or running, I shouldn't say wasting, but let me just say this, I'll give you the text and you can look them up, Uh, we won't go through it all in detail today, but Exodus chapter 20, I want to take a look at some one element of time quickly, but it's the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, you know the text, right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but in the seventh days the Sabbath, the Lord thy God, and he shall do no work, nor you, you or your manservant, your maidservant, or the cattle, and all those things. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. For the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, right? We know that time. There is one area, there's one thing that I hear over and over again from God's people. And I'm not saying it's, the word, it's a sin to say it, So don't get me wrong. But people always say, I'm so thankful for my Sabbath. How many of you say that? But you know what? Just like you don't find in the Bible that Sunday is the Sabbath, in the same way you don't find anywhere in Scripture where it calls the Sabbath my Sabbath or your Sabbath. Because the Bible actually says that the Sabbath belongs to who? It belongs to God. Amen? Amen. Everywhere in Scripture you find that the Bible says it's the Sabbath of the Lord. Amen? Amen? That means it's His day, and everything that's in that day is His, so that means that the time they're in is also whose? It's also His. Amen? Now, bless the saints, but Sabbath is not a day that is intended for my own desires, and my own pleasures. Are you with me? Sabbath is not the day to go home and catch up on the sleep that you missed all week long. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking a nap. I enjoy a good Sabbath afternoon nap, amen? Just like anybody else. But if I sleep the whole day, that's a problem, right? Amen? But what exactly is the Sabbath for? Well, when you go to... Let's just go to one of these, but you can write this one down. Luke chapter six, verses five through ten. Luke six, verse five through ten. Look that one up, but then go to Luke chapter fourteen, verses one through six. Where are we going? You guys, still awake this morning? I think. Okay. Luke chapter fourteen. Uh, Luke five. Luke six, five to ten. You can write that down. Look it up later. But Luke fourteen is where we're going to go. Okay. Real quickly, Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Now it happened, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. Now it happened as he went, I see the sister in the back, couple sisters, I should say, fanning themselves. Isn't it amazing that we're, it's hot on a January day in Lansing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. They watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and did what? He healed him and let him go. We're in Luke 14. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day and they could not answer him regarding these things? I'll cut right to the point. The purpose of the Sabbath day is not for us to go home and sit around the house. The purpose of the Sabbath is to use that day in ministering to others. When Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest... When the Bible talks about rest in the context of the Sabbath, it is talking about laboring for souls. Does that make sense? Now, there's nothing wrong with obtaining some physical rest, but let me just say this, that the rest I can find in serving Christ on the Sabbath through through laboring for the salvation of others, whether it be feeding the homeless or giving a Bible study or giving out glow tracks or whatever it is, participating in the church evangelism outreach that Sabbath, whatever it is, the rest that I will find in laboring for Jesus to build up his kingdom will be a greater rest for the core of your soul than will be going home and sleeping. Does that make sense? It is greater than the physical rest that I can experience. Because Jesus wants us to find rest in him. Amen? But that rest is not a selfish, ease-loving rest. It is a self-sacrificing rest. And the joy you find in laboring for others will be greater than any rest that you can accomplish on your own. I mean, we can say amen this morning. So go home and take your Sabbath nap, but then get up and do something for somebody else. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Let me read a statement to you. From uh, the book um, "Counsels for the Church," page two seventy. It's a very interesting book, a great counsel for God's people. It says none should feel at liberty to spend sanctified time in an unprofitable manner. It is displeasing to God for Sabbath keepers to sleep during much of the Sabbath. Notice she says it is not displeasing to God to sleep at all. It's displeasing for, for to God to sleep what much. <laughs> So a good little Sabbath nap is okay, as long as we balance it out with something for him. Amen? They dishonor their creator in so doing, and by their example say that the six days are too precious for them to spend in resting. Listen to this. They must make money in those six days, although it be by robbing themselves of needed sleep, which they make up by sleeping away holy time. Mercy is right. They excuse themselves then by saying the Sabbath was given for a day of rest. I will not deprive of re- my re- myself of rest to attend the meeting, for I must rest. To make so such make a wrong use of the sanctified day, they should upon that day especially interest their families in its observance and assemble at the house of prayer with the few or the many as the case may be. They should devote their time and energies to spiritual exercises. That's prayer, Bible study, outreach, helping the sick, feeding the homeless, all those things are spiritual exercises, that the divine influence resting upon the Sabbath may attend them through the week. So get this, the the spiritual rest that I gain from being active for Christ doesn't just attend me on Sabbath, but it attends me how often? All through the week. Amen? Amen. Of all the days in the week, none are so favorable for devotional thoughts as feelings as in the Sabbath. What do you think this morning? My Sabbath or God's Sabbath? God's Sabbath, amen. How many of you want God's Sabbath this morning? Now, there's other things that I could say, uh, and I'll say them quickly. Time wasters. We often think that we, especially when we've worked hard, We deserve that time of rest. And sometimes God, oftentimes actually, God will say, you need some quiet time to rest. We need rest to rejuvenate our bodies, yes? But oftentimes it depends on how we spend that. You realize that we were bought with a what? And what was the price? It was the precious blood of who? Of Jesus, amen? And so our lives belong to him. Every hour of the day, we should be saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do now? How do you want me to spend this precious moment? Because a moment wasted is one that you can never get back. Are you with me? Brethren, if those who don't know God can value time and say, we don't want to waste a precious moment, Then what does it say of the saints of the Most High God? That we ought to use every moment for the glory of God. For the building of His kingdom. Now that may look a hundred different ways. I mean, we have to... You understand, I'm not saying we need to become fanatical about it. But we need to ask God, God, how do you want me to spend my life? You know, when we're in the workplace... And we got five minutes to spare. Oh, well, I'm just going to either clock out early or I'm just going to piddle around until it's time to go clock out. Is that the honest way to use our time? If we fill our days with God's errands, we won't have time for the things that chew away our time and waste it away, would we? What do you think? What do you think this morning? I'm going to read you a statement from the book of Acts called Acts of the Apostles. How many of you have ever heard that book? It's an excellent book on the book of Acts. It says this, Thus it will ever be when the Spirit of God takes possession of the life, those whose hearts are filled with the love of Christ. How many of you love the Lord today? Amen. Who will follow the example of him... Who, for our sakes became poor that through his poverty we might be made rich money influence all the gifts that they have received from god's hands and time they will value as only a means of advancing the work of the gospel thus it was with the early church when the church of today It is seen that by the power of God's Spirit, the members have taken their affections from the things of the world and that they make sacrifices in order that their fellow man may hear the gospel. The truths proclaimed will have a powerful influence upon the hearers. What do you say today? That when we put God, when we seek first the kingdom of what? In every area of our lives, with all the time of our lives then the church is going to receive power. And when you go right out here on the campus and you begin to speak to the students, they're going to look at you and say, oh, I got time for that. They're going to be amazed. And just like the Pharisees and the guards of old when they came to Jesus and they said, no man ever spoke like this, they're going to say the same thing about the campus missionaries and the church members of the East Lansing University Church. I want to appeal to you this morning with one last verse, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. You guys still with me? Yes. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It says this And do, and do this, knowing the what, Knowing the time. Do we know the time as Seventh day Adventist Christians? What do you think? We should! Yes. Amen? Yes. If we really understood the time, would it impact how we lived? What do you think? Yes. Would it impact how we spend our day? Folk that are retired, man, amen, we got time, don't you? you got t- we got time, yes? But every minute of the day, do, do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed." The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you think it's a glorious thing to put on Jesus today? When you look at the world, it's getting more and more hopeless. But, and as the world gets more and more hopeless, the sight of Jesus gets more and more hopeful. Amen? Put on Christ is Paul's appeal to God's people today. Let us put on Christ. Not just for an hour a day in our devotional time. Not just on Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. But every second of the day that we are wearing the Lord Jesus who will transform our lives into something much glorious than you can ever do for yourself. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now is the time. I'm not proposing to you today to try to tell you how you should spend your time, but I am pleading with you today to go to your knees and say, God, where am I failing you here? God, how am I using my time? How can my time be used more for your glory? Lord, teach me. Holy Spirit, change me. Work in my life so that my life every moment may be a shining example of your grace and love flowing through me. How many of you want to have that experience today? I remember when I was having cancer in 2009, when I checked into the hospital, they rushed me right up to ICU. And I was laying there fighting for my life for something that I didn't do to my... At least I don't think I did it to myself. I was laying there with a blood infection, and I had all these problems, and my life was on the line. 28 years old, there was a young man who came into the ICU unit in the room right beside me, and I asked the nurses about him. And this young man was 28 years old as well, and for some reason or another, he thought life wasn't worth living. I don't know the reason for that, but he had taken 30 pain patches that are used for Uh, You know, you're supposed to put one on every few days. He took 30 of those and ate them. He chewed them up and swallowed the juice, and then he swallowed the the patches. And then he followed that with a pint of, or a, um, a large bottle of vodka. And they brought him, and he passed out, became unconscious. And then someone found him and called 911. They brought him into the hospital and he was 28 years old, the same age as I, we were both fighting for our lives in two separate rooms of the hospital. The next morning, I discovered that the young man passed away. And I thought to myself, what if one of God's people could have gotten to him before the moment, the moment he decided? that life wasn't worth living. And they could have told him that life is worth living, that there is something greater. There is something more beautiful to live for. There is a, 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 a love that every heart craves for. What if someone could have reached him in that moment? Far be it from us, That every day in our community here in East Lansing, there might be people that are perishing that God could lead us to in the moment if we're willing to let that moment be sacrificed for his glory rather than our own pleasure and flesh. How many of you want to say today, Lord Jesus, I need every moment of my short life on earth to count for you because that moment may be the moment that will impact someone else's eternity. You want to surrender your time to Jesus today? Can I see your hands this morning if you'd like to make that decision? Let's all stand together. We're going to sing our closing song, number 163, at the cross. Because it's at the cross when the light shines and we see the self-sacrificing life of Jesus. Amen.